Thank two, you. One or two. <laughs> one, or two. one or two of you are aware that we are about to begin. That's very good. Friends, if I could call you to order. It's lovely to see you all. Delighted that you've been able to come, those of you that are here in the space. Uh, and a warm welcome to those of you accessing via a screen, wherever you are. Uh, it's good to have you all with us. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with a multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Well, we pick up uh, the theme of those verses as we sing together as the deer pants for the water. If you're able to stand, please stand. Spirit, you, you alone. 
heart's desire and I long to worship you. Amen. Do be seated, friends. Let us pray. <clears throat> that is indeed our heart's desire, Lord, to come and to worship you, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to bring all that we have and all that we are and offer it to you in your service. We recognise that we're not all that we should be. We stand in the presence of your beauty and holiness and become all too aware of our own shortcomings. We're sorry for those things that we may have said or thought or done in these past few days which have made life difficult for others, where we may not have thought the best of those around us, where we may have done things that will have actively hindered their approaching you or finding their way closer to you. God help us. We're sorry. Make us alert to your leading and guiding Make us sensitive to your voice. Help us to be attentive to all that you would have for us. Keep us safe and sound. Keep us in the centre of your will. Draw near and bless us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Nudrat, come and talk to us. See, we, we've got this, you'll have to stand in front of that microphone. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. We've got this lovely slide up, <laughs> community organising and church development. So, what does a community organiser do? Okay, so the answer is a little bit long, oh. so uh, you may want to sit down. All right, thank you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so, there are two distinct parts to my role, my job, that, as you know, um, I'm doing with um, St. Fried's Wives. The, it's the congregational development bit is one aspect of it, and the community organising is the other aspect. The truth is that both these roles haven't been put together in one job, in one role, anywhere. Actually, that's not quite true. They have only in very few places in London where these two aspects have been put together because they've recognised that community organising as a methodology, as a way of working, can and does change things when used by a group of people uh, who work together. So, let's say a school, uh, a doctor's surgery, um, a play group, an environmental group, a local charity, a faith-based group. So, I don't want you to keep those images of those places in your head I'd like you to call them out and give them a geographical reality so if I say a school can we name a school out loud please any school okay um, a local charity that you might be aware of will and hospice okay uh, a play group Mums and tots, lovely, okay. 
Uh, a church? Ours. <laughs> Water Eaton Church Centre, where two churches meet, two groups meet. Okay, so let's call a group of people who work together, uh, an organisation, an institution, whatever you want to, whatever uh, word you want to give it, a, a label you want to give it. That's a little bit of the background of the job and the role and where those two things have come together. The rest of it really is uh, what it says on the tin. Congregational development and community organising being brought together. So someone who uses community organising skills, the way of doing things, to develop the congregation. Now, you could be sitting out there thinking of all sorts of different things, um, how to develop a, a congregation or what it means to develop a congregation. I'm going to ask you to name those things as well. Because I might have a preconceived idea of what it is to develop a congregation and you might have a different list. Or it might match, I don't know. Go on, let's have a few. Can you call them out? Youth what about youth work? Uh, developing young okay, developing young people, yep. Developing leaders, De developing leaders for youth work, yep. Okay, I'm going to give you a few. So this is something that a lot of people would want to see. Growth in numbers. Mm -hmm. Just give me a thumbs up if you had that in your mind. Okay, lovely. I sort of heard a whisper, something about friendship. Mm. Can you say it out loud, whoever that was? Friendships. friendships. Do you mean friendships developing in churches? And, and outside, Okay. Okay, so you've got an idea of what you understand congregation development uh, to mean. So using con uh, uh, community development, uh, co community organising skills to develop the congregation. So that brings us neatly onto the question, uh, what is this methodology? What is this way of doing things that is different? So... I want you to start with the world as it is, with all, in all its uniqueness, its beauty, its blessings. We can't deny any of those. It is beautiful. But we also have to recognize the injustice, the violence, the unfairness, and the loss. This is the world as it is. Just call a few of those things out for me, please. So injustice, violence, unfairness, prejudice or loss. You might have heard it, heard of these things. You might have experienced them. You might have read about them in the newspaper. Anything. Let's call them out. Poverty. poverty. Are you thinking particularly of food poverty? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Food poverty. War, stabbing in co-op, co yeah, mm -hmm. violence, yeah, homelessness. homelessness, sorry, yeah, homelessness, okay, so those are the realities of this beautiful world, world as it is, even on a beautiful sunny day when 
all seems right with the world, we cannot escape the gruesome reality of the world as it is. We wish for these things to change, for the world to be a fairer world. Let's be absolutely accurate. Most of humanity wants things to be different. You don't, want, you don't have to be a Christian to want to see change. As a Christian, I most definitely want to see change so that we move from the world as it is to a world as it should be. I'm going to come back to you. Tell me how you would like the world as it should be. Name some of those things. I'm going to start you off. That everyone has food. Peace. Peace. Okay, so no war. No loneliness. Equality. A world where people are given second chances. Okay. A world where we can show sincere kindness to people who are different from us. Very different from us. Some nods there. And we could go on and on and on. Let's have the first slide, please. So... There are only three people in this room who've seen this slide, so hopefully this will be very new. Community organising methodology, put simply, is that. I'm going to get you to focus on the word listen. The methodology focuses that on, on these steps, saying that if you want change, if you want to see the world move from what it is now to as it should be, this is a way of doing it. And listening is where a lot of people would engage as a first step. Listening takes place in all sorts of forums, at church meetings, at local residence groups, neighborhood watch groups, Maybe when you're queuing up to collect your shopping at the larder. All sorts of ways, even in families. True listening. But in order to really, really listen, any preconceived ideas that you might have, any agendas that you might have, have to be left behind. And that is the biggest challenge that community organising methodology poses to all of us. What it is to listen without any agendas. I won't ask you to list any of those agendas, <laughs> but you can come and tell me afterwards. I don't really want to go any further because actually until and unless we understand the listening stage, none of these other stages can take place in order to see that social change. Second slide, please. So community organising really, really stresses that before any action can take place, You've got to take enough 
time to contemplate. Any organisation, any group of people working towards social change needs to take enough time to, to be still, to think, to listen, to really observe. And then from all of that, the fruit of all of that, action will emerge. A deliberate, intentional, quiet. And as a Christian, that is where I think God speaks. Before the action is taken, not after, not when we've made all our plans and then we just want God to tick our plans. It's before any of that happens. Put your hand up if you've got more questions now than when I first started. Okay, so that's exactly where I wanted you to be at. It's what you do with those questions next is it's going to take us further into an understanding of community organising. But I want to read to you just a short paragraph or two from a book which lists some of the action that um, community organisers have been at the root of and some of the change that has taken place. You may not even realise that it was the result of community organising that has ended up in achieving some sort of movement or social change. And actually, before I begin, community organising started in the 1930s in America. It didn't really take root here uh, till about the 1960s, late 60s, 70s. So I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs here. The story of Rosa Parks you probably know, the African-American woman who famously refused to give up her seat on a bus when the driver asked a row of black passengers to move for a white man. Her arrest in 1955 gave rise to huge public outcry and started the Montgomery bus boycott. The boycott of public buses lasted 381 days. That's an example of action. And around three quarters of the bus company's passengers opted to walk instead. The young Baptist minister, Martin Luther King Jr., was appointed to lead uh, the Montgomery Improvement Association and help organize the boycott. After just over a year, the US Supreme Court ruled that segregation on buses was uninstitutional. That's the social change. It was a huge victory and a turning point in the American civil movement. One brave woman setting in motion a campaign that changed the course of history. The story of Abdul Durant you probably don't know. The black British Muslim man who worked nights as a cleaner at HSBC's headquarters at Canary Wharf, that futuristic center of global capital full of skyscrapers and jewellery shops. Abdul was one of thousands of workers on the minimum wage in insecure employment. Every night, he cleaned the offices of Sir John Bond, who earned two million a year as chairman of the bank. 
at the annual general meeting of the bank in 2003, Abdul came not as a cleaner, but as a state shareholder, having connected with others to buy shares and legitimate access to the company's annual moment of public accountability. That's one man who was unhappy with the world as it is and wanted to see it change to something different. And he just decided to buy some shares to get him a place as a shareholder and hopefully a voice. He stood up in front of all the investors and executives, nervous as anything, and said, Sir John, we work in the same office, but we live in different worlds. Let me tell you what it's like to work on £4.50 per hour and bring up six children. This David and Goliath confrontation hit the headlines, and within 18 months, HSBC and also neighbouring Barclays had increased the pay of its cleaners. It was a turning point in the UK living wage campaign which has lifted hundreds of thousands of people out of poverty, working poverty, and changed the government's approach to minimum wage. That was started by community organisers. Just as an example of change. Now, before you go, mm -hmm. that was very powerful, thank you. Um, St. Prideswives have called you to this work, and you're doing this work with them. Mm -hmm. Can we access you for this? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And um, Catherine is very, very keen that I should be Watereaton Church Centre community organiser, so it doesn't distinguish between one group of people or one congregation and the other. So it, it, you very much have access to my time and energy etc etc so this is just the start of just introducing to you a little bit of what's going on keep those questions you've got in mind come and talk to me email me um, call me up I'm very very happy to take this further and chat thank you Eddie. good I think the future looks very interesting in this place I think there's, there's a terrific resource there that could make a huge difference to the way that you see the world and access the world. Uh, and to know that you know, a person of faith sits at the center of all of that and is ready and willing to help all of us try and make a difference in this locality and beyond. Wow. Right, let's hear from God's word. Uh, and then we'll sing together. And as we're singing, Junior Church is going to take their leave. Uh, and I'll receive the offering at the end of, uh, at the end of that song. So, who's reading? Oh, won't you come? Today's reading is from John 20, verses 24 to 29. Um, Jesus and Thomas. One of, the one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again, indoors. 
and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands, then stretch out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Thomas, Jesus said to him, Do you believe me because you see me? How happy are those who believe without seeing me? Thank you. So we'll stand if we're able and sing together, Lord, you have my heart. There's a call and response in the chorus for men and ladies if you feel so inclined. <laughs>
Father God, once again we come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Now our friends from Junior Church have already gone, so we don't need to bless them. (laughs) Unless you really want to say, the Lord be with you. Oh, well done. Yes, indeed. Good. Excellent. They'll know that we've been doing that. So we come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray together. We are so thankful, Lord, that we can come to you and pray in this way because this really helps us. We've said before, you know, when we look at the world and all that is going on, and as we've been reminded already today, actually, it's a good thing, a good place. Life is good for many, many of us, but not always and not for everyone. And our news brings us places and situations where life is very difficult. We're still very focused on Ukraine and all that is happening there. We can't see quite how this is going to end. We're not sure whether to be encouraged or not. We can see that an aggressor is not doing as well as he thought he might, and that is helpful. But that resistance is costing a great deal, as indeed it always does. We feel for those who have lost property, those who have lost homes, those who have lost business, those who have lost family, those who have lost friends. We're saddened by all that we see going on in this place. And we long for it to be how it was. But we know it will never be how it was. A new thing must emerge. We pray for peace and justice in that place. We don't know when that will be. But that is our prayer, Lord. Peace and justice. In our own country, there are significant conversations once again about our relationship with the European Union. Uh, These are all focusing around the Northern Ireland Protocol and everything that was put in place to make sure that peace and stability... Uh, hold sway in the north of Ireland. Again, it's a complex relationship. And there's a lot of work that needs to go on, a lot of listening, as we were being reminded earlier, needs to happen. We suspect, though, that agendas will not be left at the door. People will be speaking to try and push their own agenda. After all, this is politics. We pray, Lord, that in the midst of all of the voices, some on each side will be listening, will be listening properly, and will hear the concerns that both sides are raising. 
May those people become like a bridge from one side to the other. Please let there be fruitful conversation and an agreed way forward, we pray. We pray for the two churches that meet here. Give you thanks, Father, for all that you're doing. Uh, and all that is happening in this place across the two churches. Our Joint Church Council meets uh, this week, AGM and uh, normal meeting. Pray your rich blessing on that as officers are appointed and new members welcomed. Pray for our Wednesday Walkers group. Thank you for that time, uh, for that opportunity just to get out and about, to walk and talk and listen and today uh, later after this service as the church meets to think and pray about who might come next to try and help folk develop in their discipleship and grow in their faith Father God will you send your spirit Will you give us ears that are open to hear and help us to be bold and ready to say what we think, what we believe you may have shown to us. Everyone here will have a, a view about who should come next, what sort of person, what sort of character, what sort of minister. Let us speak freely and listen carefully one to another. And for the deacons, Lord, as they meet later in the week to consider all that has been said, give them wisdom and help them to steer a course. Thank you, Lord, that you not only listen to our prayers, but that you answer them too. We gather up all of these prayers in the prayer that Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, Thomas. I love Thomas, actually. I've got a lot of sympathy for Thomas. Uh, I, um, I think the cross was exactly what Thomas expected, it's brutal, bloody death, isn't it? Uh, and he saw it together with all the others. Uh, Thomas is not afraid. He's a very uh, courageous man. Um, earlier in John's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 16, you know, there's this conversation about uh, Lazarus who is ill. Um, and in fact, he has died. Uh, and Jesus is going to go to him and to his sisters. Uh, 
but Bethany's not a safe place and Jerusalem is not a safe place for Jesus, not at that stage. Uh, the authorities are looking for him. They put a price on his head. Uh, they are ready to take him into custody. Uh, and Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. Like all the others, he scatters. But it's all the others as well. It's not just him. So I don't think Thomas really should be singled out as a particularly bad character or particularly lacking in faith. I think he was, just like everyone else, utterly broken after the crucifixion. Broken in every way. And I see echoes of myself in him. I think he's typical man. He goes off to be on his own with his grief. Men in our culture are not very good at sharing stuff like that. We go away somewhere on our own and we try and work things out on our own. And then a bit later we'll come back and maybe at some point we'll realise, actually, I need to talk to somebody. But we're not good at that. Perhaps that is what happened with Thomas. I know I'm speculating. Read the story for yourself. Put yourself in his shoes. But for whatever reason, he's alone with his grief and therefore misses the appearance of Jesus to his friends on that first Easter Sunday. We've seen the Lord. Oh, have you? Good for you. I haven't. And I won't believe unless I can put my fingers in his hands and I won't believe unless I can put my hand in his side. I think, you know, we, we just need to be aware that no one expected the resurrection despite Jesus' very clear teaching towards the end of his life and, and throughout his public ministry, he made it absolutely clear to his followers, I am going to be handed over to the authorities, I am going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And they're all nodding away, yeah, of course you are. But when it happens, it's utterly, utterly devastating for them. Uh, And there are lots of people around, uh, and very often at this time of the year, you start to see articles in the paper, usually in the run-up to Easter, Um, the resurrection deniers start to get their pieces published in uh, some parts of the press. Or it was a story made up by the disciples because they wanted it to be true. No, they did not. They found it as hard to believe as everybody else. Uh, You've got all sorts of things you've got to explain if you don't believe in the resurrection. You've got to explain the absence of Jesus' body. I mean, and there are ways of doing that. You can suggest that the authorities stole the body. Well, if that was the case, when all these silly rumours start to circulate about him being risen from the dead and alive, why not just produce the body and say, this is all nonsense. Look, here he is dead. So either the authorities were really very stupid... Or that wasn't what happened. Or maybe his friends stole the body and made up this story. 
I wonder how much torture you would take knowing that what you were saying was a lie. I mean, it was not an easy thing to be a Christian in those early days, in the first generation or two of the church, when the Roman authority, in all of its majesty and power, was doing its utmost to wipe you out. Horrific ways to be put to death. Knowing that this was a lie, would you really, really perpetrate that? Thomas won't believe unless he can put his finger in the nail marks and put his hand in the side of the Lord. One week later, Jesus turns up. Peace to you. Thomas, put your hand here. Thomas, put your fingers here. My Lord and my God. So in all of his pain and grief, Thomas withdraws. And I think that is a man thing. Certainly in our culture it is. Solitude actually is not a bad thing. Uh, It can be quite a good thing, a very helpful thing for a season. Loneliness is not. So Thomas is not present when Jesus appears for that first time. He's not part of the fellowship and therefore misses something significant. Uh, And in the past I've heard people say, well actually you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And there may be something in that. But how much are you missing, I wonder? How much of the blessing are you missing if you do not find yourself in company with the rest of the body of Christ from time to time? Uh, And I know there are good reasons why some of us can't be here. Uh, And that will always be the case, and it has always been the case down through the years. We get ill. We become infirm. It is difficult for us to get out and about. But if we are in good nick and we are able, then, you know, what is stopping you? I think Thomas has two great virtues in all of this. He absolutely refuses to say that he understands something when he doesn't. And he absolutely refuses to say that he believes something that he plainly doesn't believe. There is an uncompromising honesty about Thomas, which I think we would all do well to emulate. When he is sure, he absolutely fully commits, doesn't he? Thomas, put your fingers here. Thomas, put your hand here. And Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. It is not wrong to doubt friends. It is absolutely not wrong to ask questions. You should do that. It is how you grow in your understanding. It is how you will develop in your faith journey. Not wrong to doubt. Not wrong to ask questions. Look for the answers. Don't be fobbed off. Be like Thomas. Explore fully. Look. What will it mean? to be a Christian disciple. Ask the questions. Explore fully. Leave no stone unturned. And then, when you've discovered what it will mean to be a Christian disciple, fully commit. Do not hold back. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray. Father God, let Thomas be an example to us in that he explores fully. He explores completely. He expresses the questions that he has and he will not be fobbed off. He will not be distracted. Let us be single-minded in our pursuit of you and of the truth. And when we discover that you are all that you say you are, help us, like Thomas, to commit fully to being your disciples, my Lord and my God. Lead us on, Lord. Take us where you want us to go. We ask all of this in your glorious name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing together once again, and then we're going to gather around the Lord's table. If you're able, please stand. Jesus Christ, once again. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. You became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. And once again I look upon the cross where you died. Humbled by your mercy And I'm broken inside Once again I thank you Once again I pour out my life Now you are Exalted to the highest place King of the heavens Where one day I'll bow But for now, I marvel at this saving grace. I'm full of praise once again. And I'm full of praise once again. And once again, I look upon the cross where I died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, my friend. And once again I look upon the cross where you died, I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. 
once again I thank you, once again I pour out my If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. We read that Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. We do give you thanks, Lord, for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which become extraordinary in your hands. We thank you for giving us something tangible, something to see, something to hold, something to taste. The reality of your sacrifice in our hands. As we eat and drink, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen.
After he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. We shall eat the bread, friends, as we receive it. broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We retain the cup and drink together.
Friends, it is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Friends, we sing our closing song together. Everyone needs compassion. If you're able, please stand. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a savior, the hope of nation. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me All my fears and failures Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save Forever author of salvation He rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave Shine your light and let the whole world see We're singing for the glory of the risen King Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see 
we're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. One more. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Amen. Love with all sincerity. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.